0: Tonight, we get to ponder with men. We get to ponder what it means to us that Christ has come into our world. And Tonight, I'd like us to think about, to ponder four different aspects of his coming. That that Christ comes to bring rest for the weary. He comes to bring joy into a broken world. He comes to bring peace the broken heart. And he comes to bring hope to the hopeless. Which means that we begin by talking about exhaustion. There's a particular meme that's been going around social media that is uh, one of my favorites this season. I think most of you have seen it um, <laughs> flying around social media, Mary, exhausted. Having just gotten Jesus to sleep, is approached by a young man who thinks to himself, "What this girl needs is a drum solo." <laughs> uh, rum-pum-pum-pum, Me and my drum. Right? We all come here. We all enter this place with stories from the past year, some of them wonderful, others filled with exhaustion. What, for you, has been the most exhausting event or time period since we were last gathered here to celebrate Christmas? For our family, it was probably the two weeks after we moved into our house. We took this call, we graciously were able to uh, stay in the home that the church provided for about six weeks, and then we bought a house, moved in, And while everything was still in boxes, my wife, who works so hard, went back to DFW uh, to work for several shifts in a row, and I was trying to parent four children and work this call, and we were living out of boxes. Sheer exhaustion. But none of you should think, oh, wow, he had it terrible, because each one of us experiences Some sort of exhaustion and weariness in our life. Perhaps the career to which God has called you uh, uh, requires long, exhausting hours. Perhaps you have been called to care for multiple generations and you are caring for parents older than you and perhaps even at the same time taking care of children or grandchildren in your family as well. Some of you I know are, are struggling with chronic illnesses and, and uh, managing pain and disease. There are so many things in our stories that we bring in with us tonight. Think for a moment about Mary's story. She finds out at probably the age of around 14 that That uh, she is going to be pregnant. God has chosen her to be pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. And immediately she sets off on a journey. She journeys 80 to 100 miles south to the home of her cousin Elizabeth who is also with child and spends three months there helping her spending time with her. And then she makes the journey all the way back. And then a little bit later, probably in her last last month of pregnancy, she and her her future husband, Joseph, make that same journey again. Ladies, how many of you would testify that being nine months pregnant is the perfect time to make a 100-mile trip on foot? Anybody? Yeah. And then when they get there, granted, there probably wasn't an inn or a hotel in Bethlehem, as we might think of one. But whether they were trying to stay in the guest room of a, a family, there, uh, an extended family member there in Bethlehem, or they were trying to, to camp in an area where visitors to Bethlehem would camp out, there was no space. And wherever they found to stay was a space intended for animals. This is an exhausting, stressful time. And then I would would claim Murphy's Law on this, except we know that God's hand and God's timing is directing all of this. That is when she goes into labor. In the midst of all of this, scripture tells us that Mary was able to ponder all of these things in her heart to sit and take it all in and allow Christ, who was born, to be her rest in the middle of weariness. The one that she holds is the one that will one day say, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Tonight, Let's join Mary. And in the middle of all of the things in our lives that exhaust us and worry us and make us weary, let's rest in the power and the presence of the Savior who has been born and who has come to us. And let's ponder what he is doing. So that's the first thing tonight. Jesus comes to bring rest for the weary. Secondly, I'd like us to ponder on the truth that Jesus comes to bring joy into our sinful, broken world. Many of us recall Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That part is kind of familiar, but it goes on. Even in laughter, the heart may ache and the end of joy may be grief. Proverbs is this divinely inspired book that simply reflects on life the way it really is. And it accurately reflects on the truth that that, uh, what seems right to us and what seems good to us, what we think will bring us laughter and joy in this life, is often interspersed with tears and sorrow and what we think brings joy ends, not in joy, but in grief. But in the midst of that, Christ comes and the angels declare that he comes to bring good news of great joy for all people. God has kept his promise and sent a savior that would bring a an everlasting joy to which we can hold on to and in which we can live and we can trust, a joy that transcends all the stuff of this world. This joy is for all people. Humble shepherds are the first to receive the news, but this news is for you and it's for me. And we simply ask, will you receive the good news of Jesus come to earth? with joy. So Jesus comes to bring rest for the weary. He comes to bring joy in the midst of a broken and sinful world. And he comes then, the third point, he comes to bring peace to the broken heart. Remember that we're talking here about the Prince of Peace. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, Peace to those on whom God's favor rests. And for this, I'd like us to ponder a little bit on Isaiah chapter 9. Now, I have to admit, there's a section in that scripture reading that has always kind of made me squirm. It comes up most Christmases. It's one of the options for Christmas Christmas Eve. And before you get to the really good Christmassy parts, we hear this. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. And That, to me, doesn't sound very Christmasy, does it? So honestly, I've sometimes wanted to just read that really quick. I hope nobody asks any questions and get on to the good stuff, for unto us a child is born, right? Well, one of my favorite Bible teachers, a a guy named Chad Bird, wrote an article on this this year and really helped open that up. He points out that for Isaiah, his hearers knew exactly what he was talking about, just as if we were to mention D-Day in this context. Everybody would know that we're talking about the end of World War II, the famous battle in Normandy. He references Midian, and everybody knows we're talking about that occurrence in Judges chapter 6. So here we are on Christmas Eve, and we're talking about the book of Judges. There's a guy named Gideon. Gideon lives in a time when the people of Israel have have been terrible, excuse me, terrorized by bands of Midianites for about seven years, and they're hiding out in caves. The Midianites will come through, and they will destroy the Israelites' crops and just generally terrorize them and drive them out of their land, make it difficult for them to live. And after seven years, God shows up, and he comes to, to um, Gideon, and Gideon's a scaredy cat. God has to really work just to persuade him to even fight this battle. And when Gideon finally agrees, he gets an army together, and God says, eh, that's too many people. And God calls the army down to about 30 of the dumbest men he's got. And then with these 30, these, these, did I say 30? 300, still not too many, 300 of the dumbest men he's got. And then with these 300, God doesn't let him use swords and spears and all the normal things for battle. He gives them a torch, a clay pitcher, and a trumpet to fight the Midianites. So they go out there, and they surround the perimer- per- perimeter of the Midianites' um, encampment. And they make lots of noise. They blow their trumpets. They light their torches. They break their pitchers. And God sends the Midianites' into chaos. These terrorists, these people who are instruments of death, for the Israelites turn on themselves and this instrument of death kills itself in friendly fire and wipes themselves out. What's left? A field full of boots of warriors, garments rolled in blood, that now the Israelites, for whom God has won the victory, have to come in and clean up and throw all this stuff into the fire isaiah chooses this weird story to tell us what the savior is going to do he's going to come and die on the cross so that death will defeat death and when we have been terrorized by sin death and the devil that takes away our peace the savior comes to conquer sin, death, and the devil so that God then can remove all this rubbish that has brought us chaos and eventually throw it into the fire so that those of us who trust in Christ Jesus, who are God's children, can have peace. Jesus comes to bring peace to the broken heart. He does this by conquering sin, death, and the dead. Finally, Jesus comes to bring hope to the hopeless. Since I've been here at Trinity, I've seen somewhere between 210 and about 280 people each Sunday on two campuses across three worship styles come and receive Jesus receiving they come to receive Jesus in His word in, in the bread and the wine, gathered around the waters of baptism, being nourished and fed through fellowship with other other disciples in God's forever family. this is God keeping his promises, granting hope to his people not only that I've seen God granting hope through ministries like our disaster relief team where dozens of families and churches that were hopeless because the damage to their homes after the most recent hurricane was far beyond what they could possibly handle financially or in terms of labor i've watched i've heard about them and seen the testimony of them receiving cleaned up yards and fixed up homes and churches because of our disaster relief team since i've been here A couple of family units have been provided transportation that otherwise wouldn't have have been able to do that. We've helped a veteran who was temporarily homeless while fighting cancer be placed into housing. Those are just a few highlights of the way that God is using this community of faith to bring hope to the hopeless. He is keeping his promises and he's doing it through you and me. In the Christmas story, this is a story about God keeping his promises. Ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, God had been promising to send a Messiah, to send a Savior. And tonight we hear this glorious proclamation that that day has come. A Savior has been born to you, the Messiah, the Lord. God keeps his promises. Both Mary and Joseph have been told clearly and explicitly by an angel sent by God what he is going to do, and God does exactly what he says. The shepherds receive this good news from the angels, and they go to see what the angels were talking about, and it's recorded in our, in our text that everything was ex- excuse me exactly as the angels said. So here's the hope. We see how God has kept his promises throughout the ages, and particularly in the story of Christmas. We see how God is actively fulfilling his promises in this congregation, in this community today. So we know that God will continue to keep his promises, and that when he promises to return and to take us home to be with him for eternity, God keeps His promises. When he promises to be with you always, God keeps his promises. When he promises to give rest for the weary, he keeps his promises. When he promises to bring joy in the midst of heartache, he keeps his promises. When he promises to bring peace by conquering sin, death, and the devil, he has kept, and he will continue to keep his promises when he promises to come again. When he promises that you've been forgiven and redeemed, he keeps his promises. This is the good news of Christmas. Shall we pray? Gracious Lord, we give you thanks. We thank you that you bring rest for the weary and joy for the uh, uh, joy in a broken world and peace for the broken-hearted. We thank you that you bring hope for the hopeless, because you have kept You are keeping and you will keep your promises. Thank you for the promised gift of Jesus our Savior. In your name we pray, amen.